podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! 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 That was croaky. Oh, it wasn't it? Well, I was trying to be enthusiastic because I got told off last week for being downbeat. Oh, good. Yeah, so, so it's going to be an enthusiastic pod. So far, yeah, except it, my throat seemed to have subconsciously decided I couldn't be enthusiastic. Oh, dear. I can't wait until you're now told off for being too enthusiastic. Which I will be, inevitably, <laughs> because as we discovered this weekend, you can't win. You can't win. You're either too and, enthusiastic and or, and, or JD's on the fence, he can't win. And well, and Kevin Palace can't win. No, that's right. Either at the moment, which is what we're going to talk about. This Always pod, on, though, he is started well, he's seamless. Yeah, very good. Pod number 274. Seamless, like wow. a piece of embroidery. Oh, no. I like that. Yeah, I thought you didn't let me do the pod number, but that's oh. nearly there. Yeah, anyway. Well, you, did, you did it. You said 274. Yeah, but then anyway. he said his, which is what I didn't quite understand, but yeah. But anyway. Seam, embroidery. Where mind. does embroidery go to, get oh, us to, Andy? Vector with a K. There we go. Nicely done. And who else is our sponsors, Kevin? <laughs> I just do it. I don't know. We're doing a jazz version, though. Well, you know, Roy won't well, change things, so I'm going to try. Hyphen is. Dot com. Hey, I will. I will. There you go. Good. Yeah, it's about as shambolic as Palace on Saturday, to be honest. Oh, only, um, only for don't fi- be too harsh on yourself, mate. <laughs> only for 15 minutes, apparently, which is all right. Uh, Kevin Day. Hello. <laughs> Andy Street. Hello. Um, I thought you could see because there is an actual piece of embroidery from one of Ali's shows just behind you. So it's like. It's on the chair, you can't... It, it, work, it works, oh, this, this it's covered by a yeah. laptop. It took so. Ali 15 weeks to make. It's a huge piece of tapestry for an Alfred Smith show, which says... Oh, I have seen that, actually. Life is too short for embroid. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. And we now sound like an episode this, of The Archers. That's exactly the sort of reaction it got from the audience members <laughs> coming in going, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ali went, 15 weeks, actually. <laughs> I'd have enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, how are you both? Fine, great. Yeah, really enthusiastic. Good. Okay. Yeah. In Andy? fact, we'll do. We'll carry on the drinking game motif last. I'm okay. If you have a drink every time I sound like I'm over the top enthusiastic, you'll be really drunk. I pointed out to Kevin earlier that we're uh, still a sixth one shot to be relegated behind multiple teams. So yeah, uh, I'm as well, le- five, four, as, five. As, no, about six, I think. That's not exactly how. It, just the fact that the fact that the bookies think that there are teams worse than us is not necessarily a cause for celebration, is it? Well, why, why not? Well, because it's. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I mean, they, I, they, I, I, right. I could go. For, I, I right could. The last, if you if you say reverting to the meme or expected goals, then we, it will kick off. I mean, I could take the view <laughs> of people who have to decide what probability sits at professionally, so they don't lose millions of pounds. Or I could take Palace Twitter. I mean, both are Palace fairly Twitter, reliable, aren't they? To be honest, well, yeah, I mean, I, Palace I, I, Twitter are watching the games more than Paddy Power. But you think that when they've got millions of pounds riding on it, they won't yeah, have someone other, think, other bookmakers are available. I think it's one of Paddy Power's joke bets. Okay, so obviously it was a 3-2 defeat at West Ham on yeah. Saturday. Roy came out afterwards, Kevin, and said, um, we won up at half-time, obviously, that we were better in the second half when we actually let in three goals than we were in that first half and we went in one new up. Do you agree uh, with that? No, not, for, well, not from... I wasn't at the game, but not from watching the longer highlights, which is not necessarily a, a guy, but it, it seems counterintuitive from everything I did see and from what people told me. And it's one of those strange ones you don't really know how to react 
afterwards because yes it was better than the Brighton game and yes on paper losing 3-2 at West Ham isn't a bad result yeah, on their uh, on a form currently yeah, yeah. And, and, but at 3-1 I was I was as cross as I was at the end of the Brighton game because we had you know it was just shocking defending just it was a mad 10 minutes and people say that afterwards but it was a mad 10 minutes that, that lost us number three points and the fact is I understand I, Andy's quite right about the bookies and the bookies has been right in the past but the league table doesn't make a happy reading at the moment no, I'd agree with that not when you see Cardiff winning at home again yeah not when you see you know Newcastle and Wolves we're, we're, we're probably in a league of seven and I just don't think it's a cause of optimism that we're saying we, we, we're probably better than three or four teams Fulham's Ranier experiment has probably failed Southampton getting a Leipzig manager in is is bold, yeah. Is bold, but it's you know we, it doesn't often pay off when you get a manager in from the, the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. It, it does at the top teams, of course, but it's very difficult. To, so it's it's not. Yeah, it's, and the fact is as well, Wolf's not playing in the next game, so yeah. we've lost. So we've lost and that. Neither is Tompkins. And then City is the game after, so we've lost that. Yeah. So <laughs> Tompkins getting booked in the tunnel was just. Peak Palace, I thought. Well, John, ding, I, ding, 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 ding. I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased that John Karen's not here because John JCIS-hyphen.com, yeah. I will. Yeah, uh, we'll have a lot to say because that's that. Indi- to me, that indicates either a weakness in the player, yeah. or a lack of faith in the manager, or a lack of fear in the manager. He would probably argue it was passion, but. You know, but it is two matches in a row that Tomkins has kind of lost his head a little bit there, yeah, frankly. Yeah, yeah and that's a and, lot. Um, ultimately, I made the point on the pod, extra free the pod, £2.39 from Patreon or whatever yeah. the hell it is, that um, there, there's got to be question marks here about the psychological resilience of the team at the yeah. moment. Yeah. And certainly that's been laid bare in the last two matches. And certainly, at least on an individual level for James Tomkins, and he's fantastic defender I think he's probably been pound for pound Palace's best signing since we've been promoted actually until the, yeah. last, until the last two games well yeah, I agree don't, no don't, I agree I do agree but what, yeah. I think that I is think kind of why show. the last two games have ended up looking like such anomalies for him personally and why you kind of look at it and go what's going on in, in this squad's heads at the moment and there's been plenty of people who've tried to come out with the usual uh, slightly cliched inferences of he's lost the dressing room or the players don't want it and the usual sort of nonsense where they kind of think that these guys who have been focused on their profession for 20 years usually in most instances all of a sudden have decided to turn up on a Saturday and go no don't really want to play today lads Um, but but the manner in which James Tomkins lost his head against Brighton and then the fact that he is taking it quite so personally the fact that a free kick was given against us. Hmm. Which wasn't a free which, kick. Which wasn't a free well, kick, but he, as I said on, on the pod extra free the pod, uh, a referee's not going to get every call right. And yeah. in terms of the most egregious calls a referee can get right or wrong, I don't think giving a free kick outside the box, four yards outside the box, where it did look on first blush like Tom, Tomkins had taken Carroll down. It took a very close uh, slow motion for me to spot it. Yeah. It's not the worst um, call ever. Also, I have to say, at half-time, I got a text from a mate who's a West Ham season ticket holder who said, of course you're winning, you've got 12 men. <laughs> what? The, the refs. But the thing with Tomkins is I, I, I would never... And it's interesting, Street's point about losing the dressing room players. It's not It's not a question of players not wanting... that decide they're not going to play for a certain manager. It's a question that they're two, three percent short of capacity because they maybe subconsciously think a manager's about to go or they maybe think something's wrong so they don't go into tackles. They're not, they're not, I've spoken to players about this, they're not thinking, they're not getting off the coach going, 
I'm only going to give it 95% today. It's just there are circumstances in which players don't commit as much as they used to. I'm not suggesting for a second that's happening, but that's that's kind of a definition of losing the dressing room rather than players going on strike. But the Tompkins thing, I, I've always got a lot of sympathy for, for players who who get really cross about decisions. And I never blamed him for it. But not 35 minutes later, the one thing we all know is that the ref's not going to change his mind five seconds later. Simple as that. Not until yeah, yeah. VAR comes in and ruins the game. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, what, does, what does Tompkins think he was achieving? Because if it hadn't leaked out in the press, we wouldn't know. Palace fans in the ground aren't saying, what's that noise? Oh, it's Tompkins. Good on him. Yeah. What's he achieving by doing that? What's the ref going to do? Is, is there an argument that the captain or teammates at that point should be dragging him away from the ref well, I don't know what and the just circ- you know, well, crawling him into the dressing room? I don't know because I don't know which, what the circumstances no, were in which it happened. I, I think it's interesting that Luca said afterwards the whole dis- that, that 15 minutes was un- unacceptable. Drink. Which is, and I actually it, did there as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, no unacceptable was last week, but Luca did say that, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I always think it's interesting. You, JD, I, I realise I was pointing there, which is not good. Great but, for radio. But you, JD, pointing at one of many, quite a few people I know in the media said Roy was really, really snarky afterwards. Yeah, he got some it, very bad questioning, though. Yeah. Well, your <laughs> question. Especially the last one, yeah. I thought your question, your question was the one that set him off. It, well, it, was, it but, was at the end of the presser, to yeah, be fair. But I know been through a few. Somebody from the BBC said their one-to-one didn't go yeah. particularly well. and I, I, It's really interesting afterwards, Palace fans' reaction. It's, it's not an overreaction to be worried about the yeah. position we're in. What and, do you think about, if Roy is spiky and in a bad mood after games, is that an indication that He's losing it or that he really cares about this? I think it's an indication that Roy's never in his whole life been as amiable as his public persona indicates. He's got an edge. You don't get to the top of your profession. Frankly, he has been at the top of his profession. He's been the England manager without having an edge to you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And without being something of a winner, you might say he wasn't a good England manager. You might say other bad, you might say, sorry, a bad manager for Freudian slip. You might say bad managers like Steve McLaren or you know, perceived to be bad managers like Steve McLaren have got that job, so that's not an indication. But he has managed a lot of Premier League clubs. He yeah. managed a lot of clubs overseas, overseas, some of whom have been massive yeah. clubs like Inter, yeah. has had the England manager's job. You don't have that sort of career unless you you aren't at times a gentleman when you know, you're away from the media's glare. But it's just interesting that we don't see that in the media's glare as often with well, Roy. But the well, thing is, even when he's being genial, it's never his fault. He's very clever, Roy. But there are times like on Saturday, for example, what I, what I want the manager to say is, look, I really, we're working really hard. We've, we're, we're trying to isolate the reasons for the, letting his goals in. The, yeah, whether it's the system, we're working hard in training to rectify stuff. We'll be better. But instead, all we hear is, well, it won't be a magic wand in January. Don't expect too much. It's like, that's not what we want. You might think you're being honest and treating us like grown-ups. We don't want to be treated like grown-ups. We want false hope. <laughs> football fans. We're football fans. We want false hope. We want, we want to be told we're spending 100 million quid in January. Don't panic. Unless those, are, code, those yeah. are, you know, pointers to the board. To the uh, well, yeah, it, could, it, it, it could be, but they're, they're pointers to the fact that we haven't done our business yet for the transfer window, which we've been saying since September. Let's hope we've been doing that. We were already working on our yeah. transfers for January, and it seems that seems to be an indication that we... We haven't. Yeah. And the fact is, I do understand when fans say, well, look, at, yeah, we're a second half of the season team. Thank the Lord, because we would have been... I like Streety's point. Streety's blaming Tony Pulis for keeping us up that first season. <laughs> I'm not blaming it, Tony Pulis. Cause cause I'm that's blaming Palace said, fans for yeah. having this existential angst ever since. Yeah. <laughs> if, we'd gone, if, we, if we were back in the championship now, we're 
you know, we wouldn't be having these. No, we'd still be having the gallows humour. We'd be a yeah. little bit chippy, but we'd yeah. be fine essentially with our existence. We and the pod would be fortnightly as well, so there'd be less of it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. no one would know that we're talking absolute nonsense because there wouldn't be any highlights available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, they, they said that Palace played brilliantly and, and the opposition yeah. were down to three men. That doesn't yeah. sound quite right, <laughs> but, but I'll trust them on that one. Because right. yeah, I yeah. don't know where Quest is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was where the highlights were until yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, other, other channels. Colin Murray, uh, like QVC. Despite Colin Murray's saying the the natural home of Championship football, Quest. Oh, quest. <laughs> <laughs> um, if uh, the goals that went in when they did go in, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, we talked on the pod extra, free the pod, about who was to blame, and, and Hennessy got a fair amount of criticism for them. Yeah. For all of them, actually, as it, yeah. as it turns out. What were your thoughts on the goals? Because I felt it was also a collective. The first goal, Snodgrass, not closed down again. You can question Wayne. Poor header out from Sacco, not close down. Second goal, free kick, maybe not a free kick. Uh, Wayne Parry is not great. Chicharito unmarked. Yeah. And third goal, again, not close down enough. Um, Felipe Anderson, could Wayne have got to it? Don't know. So it feels like it's collective, doesn't it? Third goal, you kind of, if you're being generous, you go, it's a, that's a, it's a good finish. Seeing Snodgrass score, just that diving little, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. that was his first goal in... Years since probably since then. Yeah, that was. It's again. It's something we've discussed on this pod, and it's something pundits, Gary Neville in particular, bang on about. Goals are very rarely one person's fault. Occasionally, yeah. a keeper will get the blame, but you have to look at the passage of play leading to whoever it is getting the shot away. The, the two, the first two goals were like the Brighton goals. You, there were a lot of people's fault. It's, it's it's too easy for them to control the ball in the midfield. It's too much space for them to get the ball forward. We're not getting to the second ball. Two centre-backs who were, until three games ago, very reliably clearing their... You know, even, you know, for all that we laugh about Sacco having one or two mad moments, when he's not having those, he gets his head to the ball and the ball goes a long way. And it's like two centre-backs who decided to, to stop defending. It's, it's, they look like Wayne's fault, but they're not. Wayne's fault mm-hmm. it's unfortunate so if you can hear that strange noise by the way it's our freezer there's an alarm going off in our freezer and we don't know why basically. Oh right, it sounds like a Trumpton telephone but um, they're not they, and again Wayne's it, it's interesting because Wayne's had a good season people are kind of staying off his back a little but it all adds up to the yeah, to the sum and West, yeah, West Ham spent 150 million quid in, a, in the summer West mm-hmm. Ham should be beating us really you know whether whether that's West Ham's ambition, whether that's uh, finances because of the stadium finances illegally. I don't know if I'm allowed to say they stole it from the public, Andy. But you know, probably not. But, probably, uh, but yeah, I've said it. I've said it in tweet on tweets. Like I've said it in tweets. It's fine. Yeah, but, but yeah. Whatever it is, they're, they're, that's not a defence. What I've said it in tweets. No, no. <laughs> financially, yeah, le- yeah. Legally, we know they've they've got money left over from getting a stadium uh, through. The re- yeah, how they got it? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in theory, it's all—it's our stadium. Yeah, we all own it. Yeah, but so, it's a bit much taking your seat home, though, JD. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's it's. Fr- I mean, the, the frustrating thing is that as I think most Palace fans agree, as soon as they scored, you you, you thought, well, that's not going to be the last goal they scored. That's the yeah worrying thing. And I guess and the, the frustrating thing is as well, Andy, is that um, the Brighton and the West Ham game, we haven't particularly made it hard for either of those teams to score goals and to beat us? No, no. I mean, I, I sometimes give really pithy answers to your 
questions to be difficult. I, I'm giving a pithy one now because I don't really think there's a huge amount to add to it, frankly. It, it has been the case that we've been a bit of a pushover of late in certain games. Mm. Um, there were, you know, there was a run where we were obviously a bit more defensively resilient. There were a couple of clean sheets. But you look at the last two games and even elements of like the Man United game, obviously we played really well, but we were giving up quite a lot of chances. Uh, but the last two games, it, it, when it got to 3-1 on Saturday, my initial concern was I could see this being 4-5-6. Yeah. Just because it was another one of those periods, a bit like in the first half against Brighton, where you just feel that there's this weird momentum that means that the, the players are just going to fold like a wet newspaper. Yeah. And it's difficult to, well, the to see see if, if that's going to be the case, how how all, all of a sudden and immediately you, you regain that resilience because it becomes a little bit endemic when you don't actually believe you're going to win football matches. And I know we had the Burnley win and I know that we got the goalless draw at Old Trafford immediately preceding that. But well, ultimately, the, it's happened quite a few times of late. But yeah. the, the second half on Saturday illustrates something that people didn't understand what I said about the United game. Because people said, well, we got a point and it was a good performance. It's a good performance because United didn't score. Yeah. If United had scored at any stage during our good performance, we would have lost 3-4-1. And it's the same on Saturday. First half, we did really well. They were, uh, they, they were worried because Anatovic wasn't playing, wasn't fit. They were worried because they said our fans get on, they're quick to get on top of our team. If you fr- so we'd done all the right things. We'd frustrated them. Yeah. We'd kept their goal threat down to a minimum. And then as soon as we scored, conceded one goal, you just knew we were going to concede more. And again, you look at the bench and you go, okay, other teams, we got, it's, it's one all. Let's change it. But you've got no one to bring on. There's no, there's no, there's no other midfield player on to, to shore it up. There's no central defensive midfield player to shore it up. There's no other centre-back to shore it You can't go three at the back. You know, well, you could bring Kelly on. but then, So you, you just know he's got to tough it out with the players that you've got on or bring AU on or bring Punching on who at the moment aren't fit for purpose. So that's, that's an, again, Hodgson made that point at the end of the afterwards. But it's like, well, how did we get here? And how many times have we, do we have to say that on this pod? The point about um, at Old Trafford, we're playing well and then not scoring and us getting away with it, it's, it's really pertinent because Sylvie said on the post-match pod, free the pod, um, that Wayne got away with a few in that game and yeah. started palming it away. And yeah, then, of course, yeah. on Saturday, he didn't. He yeah. did the same thing and he didn't. And it is those margins sometimes yeah. that can define a game and actually turn a good performance into a bad performance when actually Andy there's there's very fine margins between between the two the, there is I mean the, I quite like my expected goals data as you both well know <laughs> and okay. the interesting thing is you look at that for a lot of the recent matches and it says well Palace are about seven points worse off than they ought to be in, in terms of number of chances created and quality of chances created and you know were it to be at the level of getting the results you deserve and all the rest of the league doing so Palace would be in about 13th but it's now the second season I've been saying this there comes a certain point where you kind of look at it and go well if the data is repeatedly suggesting that you should do better than you do and you don't reach those levels of scoring the goals that you ought to maybe it's down to the fact that the man who's supposed to be on the end of some of these chances isn't good or isn't there or the players that are just aren't strikers yeah and yeah. I, I, I'm coming more. Uh, there, there's an element of it where if you don't, if you don't end up putting in the chances that you, you ought to, there will inevitably be an element of it that's down to luck. You know, there will be yeah. times where yeah. the keeper makes a worldy say. There'll be times where the, the defender makes a completely unlikely last gasp challenge. But then there's going to be certain times where <laughs> you've not got a single recognised fit striker other than Alexander Serlot, five goals in 38 in the Eredivisie. 
you're in trouble, frankly. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, Chicharito is a case in point. I don't, he's never scored a goal outside the box, has he? Has he not? No. West Ham paid not that much money for him. And you think that's the sort of player we should be looking at. You know, come January, just get Defoe in. Just get, just get someone in who can score a goal, because that's... West Ham he, is got, he still alive? Yeah, he's on the bench for Bournemouth. He's I thought he's on not, I'm a Celebrity he's by not, now. He's, <laughs> he's, not come, he's only played about 18 minutes off the bench for Bournemouth. It's like... That, I mean, the lack of the goal scorer, and I'm pleased to hear that, according to Andy's data and the bookies, we're staying up, so that's, that's all encouraging. I didn't say that. I said when uh, we're, we're probably overwhelmingly likely to stay up. I didn't say that we definitely will. Well, you can't legally say we definitely will because no. obviously we, we've got it on tape and you don't like being proved wrong. It's still indefinite. <laughs> no, I never deal indefinite. There's at least that's, five that's, caveats that's, every that's, time. That's the frustrating thing when you go Chicharito, uh, who was probably bought as a squad player for them rather than a starter. Yeah, it hasn't started much. No, but so Anatovic isn't, isn't fit, but they've still got players to come in they've still got Carroll to come off the bench they've still got three yeah. or four recognised strikers and we yeah and again you and uh, yeah, the people whose glasses are half full say well we still we didn't fold we went 3-1 we scored a good goal that's fair but again you know my, my, my worry is that in this league um, people, people the, you see some ridiculous exaggeration where people compare us to the Sunderland team that went down where no, they, no, there no, was no, a, no. there was a fundamental culture problem at that club that they're hasn't been at many clubs. Mm. People talk about us in terms of it being like Villa where there was effectively a managed decline. It's not like that. But the issue I have is that all it takes in the Premier League if you are in that rump of mid-table to lower uh, lower half of the league teams is eight months where you don't get the results you deserve, a mm. slice of bad luck, yeah. and then you can re- be relegated. West Brom, if you look at that, I, I hate to go back to sort of the performance data and that sort of stuff, but there were so many matches in the period they went down last season where they were outperforming teams they were creating chances all mm. over the place they just didn't go in and all it takes unfortunately in this league is I would say 18 matches in a row where it doesn't go as it should and then all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel of a relegation yeah. and I, I, I hate to say it but that's the position that every team from 8th down to 20th now faces now finds yeah. itself faced with but also West, and we, even Everton last season you know yeah, they, they had yeah. a run of 15 games at the start of the season where they weren't anywhere near as bad as their results suggested but even they started going oh wow we better get in Sam Allardyce here yeah. but West, <laughs> yeah. West Brom fans to a man and woman will say that if they change their manager if they got more, more in earlier Darren Moore in earlier they would have stayed up well, they got the wrong manager in, didn't they? Yeah, they got the wrong manager in and again, took too long to replace him. So the people who say we shouldn't be having a discussion about the manager are wrong. All the Palace fans who say... There's nothing uh, wrong with having the discussion. It's whether yeah. or not, in the circumstances, it's the right decision to replace someone who is competent, has the team but well drilled, and, and whether or not there are viable, realistic, available alternatives. But when uh, I, I agree to an extent, but also... And I, I don't necessarily think that changing the manager is always the right solution. But when when do you make that decision is my worry. Because there's no point, if you're going to do it, there's no mm. point waiting until after the transfer window. I don't understand, because what we're doing is what Paris has done before is swinging from one extreme to another. Because obviously, although it worked in the end getting rid of De Boer, I think Steve Paris was very sensitive to the criticism he got of being trigger happy. Because mm-hmm. just about every player and pundit in the game said it was a ludicrous decision to sack the manager so early and that was they were talking about a manager without, without any great respect or affection or reputation in this country and now I, I fully understand how it won't look nice around Christmas time to be the man who sacks Uncle Roy Hodgson yeah. but when do you do when we lose to Leicester because Wilf's not playing again and everyone says we can't win without Wilf when we get battered at Man City which will happen and that's not a shame when we, when we get a 
point against Carl? When when do you make a decision? Well, when do you talk about? I think emotion has to go yeah. out the window, doesn't it? Of course, you, you it can't. Does, but these not, decisions can't be emotional. Yeah. If it's around Christmas or it's January or whatever, and it has to be fair to Steve to say that he was proven right with the Frank decision. He, he was, yeah. I mean, again, we'll never know, as he said on yeah. the pod last year. But he was, you know, that was a good decision because Palace ended up mid-table yeah. on Roy. Um, but it is difficult. You're right. And Steve has said on this, on this very podcast before that if you are going to sack a manager, it has to be around the end of December slash start of January because you yeah. have to give them the transfer window. Otherwise, there's absolutely no point. But what so, I think doesn't help is those Palace fans who, who say we've got no right to even discuss the manager that he's Roy Hodgson in Roy we trust. It will, it will be if, if I see the phrase we'll be alright and I know I used it last week we'll right. pod joking, <laughs> I think I said that last week but it's just saying we'll be alright based on what logic we'll be alright because looking at the league table and the squad I'm not convinced we will be alright we probably will but you know <laughs> I think you have to face up to the fact that uh, we've and then what's going to happen next year I, I, there was a really good tweet from somebody who said I'd quite like a cup run to win the FA Cup because we can, we'll go down eventually and come back up we may never win the FA Cup I kind of Coming round to that theory because we at the moment I just feel if we don't go down this year we'll go down next or the or, or uh, well, like I West you Brom Stoke, on yeah. the pod probably about two or three years ago mm. at one point we will go down of course we will. and that's We're stuck not, with me ever since and it's bottom, very true the, the, everybody in the top bottom ten will yeah. go will be go down at some stage in the next ten years so why don't we just enjoy mm. the ride. Well, we're here because it's well. We're it's enjoying be a bit, because, bit of a short podcast if we did that. <laughs> because who's enjoying it? That's the thing. There's no. Well, where's the true. enjoyment? That's true. Comes yeah. back to my existential angst point. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there was a really good article Ooh. about this the other week. Uh, effectively, about some clubs whose fans have just uh, been relegated, and uh, they're now actually enjoying the existence down the championship a bit more. I don't personally subscribe to that, but there is certainly something in it where you say that the existence in the Premier League for mid-table fans isn't all that enjoyable. It's a slog yeah, sure. every yeah, single year. You can even have that slog as a Leicester or Everton fan. Those are pretty big clubs these days with significant investment. Mm. For all the rest of us, it's a pretty miserable existence a lot of the time. I mean, it's... Well, Leicester have got the Premier League title to keep them warm most winters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you understand what you're saying. 5,000 to one shot. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. <laughs> yeah. But oh, so, I, I, so the bookies get it wrong sometimes, do they? Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> that's that's the nature of probability. It's not a certainty. <laughs> that's why it's called probability. But it's not the nicest existence, and it's, it's partially why sort of it feels a bit a bit of a trudge season on season for some of those teams. And I, I kind of I've said it before that some fans of Palace, and I'm sure it's it's the same for fans of other clubs in similar situations. We've got this sort of unique club fallacy mentality where we think that everything is uniquely bad at Palace and I'm sure there's probably someone on the uh, I don't know Cardiff podcast right now talking yeah. about how well no they won't be because they just won and they're probably South riding South the crest away yeah. but no the Southampton podcast but in addition there's also this um, what I call perfect club fallacy where fans seem to think that somewhere out there in the Premier League they never say which one there's this perfectly wrong club of the mould of Palace mm. where nothing is ever badly <laughs> yeah. done and a few seasons ago the, the paradigm that all fans of like a club of our size had was well Swansea look how well run they are yeah, yeah. Mm. well Saints used to be the blue Saint, well no they're quiet that's what I was coming on to I mean West Brom was yeah. spoken about in, in that manner first yeah. four weeks of the season everyone said why can't we be Wolves yeah 
Yeah. But the, 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 and, and everyone was saying over the summer that Fulham have spent an amazing yeah, amount of money. Yeah. They've got an amazing player squad now. They're going to blitz the league. People were saying about Wolves until they had, went on that losing streak recently. Oh, look, they're showing that it's it's a piece of piss. It's not. It, mm. it is an absolute slog, season yeah. on season, for every club that's outside the top six. And you will, you got this sort of sword of Damocles resting over you the whole time. You never quite know when it's going to fall, and it might fall this season, might not fall for the next six seasons. Mm. But it's pretty depressing. Well, do you know what's not depressing? Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, is it part two? Well, I'm going to take this podcast with you guys, actually. But um, let's just oh. go straight into part two. Um, we're going to answer your questions. Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 274, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk, threat to Okay. And JCIS, Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I, I will. will. Right, we've got questions. Oh, we finished together then, that was nice. Please don't. Please, please never say that. <laughs> <laughs> that, reminds, that reminds me of a what? boat trip to Fulham. Um, let's... <laughs> Crack on with the questions. Um, first one comes from Andrew Dowie. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Oh, D O W E Y. Oh, okay. Dowie um, says, "Where has the corner gone? I can't see it." The corner, well, the corner that we're supposed to be going around. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? It was quite a few people asked us had we turned the corner. And now, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we get it every week, don't we? But um, yeah. it's a fair, it's a fair question. It's, ter- it's it's more of a long, slow, gentle bend. It turns out, isn't it? More of a big curve. You know, people say so big you can't uh, even see. Lo- it. Lots of yeah. our fans say that they'd prefer that we do the thing where we sp- sprint off to forty points, and then uh, yeah, I'd like the, the second half of the season is a bit rubbish. but yeah, yeah. it's fine. But then again, we did do that under Alan Pardew the season that we yeah. signed Kabai. And people weren't happy then either. Well, and we still nearly went down. And we still nearly went down. Yeah, we didn't sprint off to 40 points, so we sprinted off well, to 23 odd, didn't we? we was well, it, uh, was it only was We it? were fifth. We were fifth. <laughs> kind of went to, yeah, 30 yeah. something, and then went, nah, I'm going to chill yeah. out now for 18 weeks. Yeah. Don't really fancy yeah. it. But no, I'd quite far, I wouldn't mind the burn. Yeah, I'd burn it last year, October, pretty much safe. I'd, I'd take that for a season. Yeah, I'd take Just that to see what it feels like. If Burnley can do it, then. Yeah, Burnley are going to be a great example when they're relegated come May. Yeah, they are actually having a poor season. Jason Hughes. Hi, Jason. He's managed to cram quite a few of our regular sayings into one. <laughs> Will the pod keep thinking that despite the inevitable regression to the mean, <laughs> it ding, is, ding, it ding, is ding, unacceptable ding. that the silver bullet <laughs> has not yet turned the corner with a K? <laughs> and then he ends it by just saying, I will. Yes, I agree. That's a good question. Nicely yeah. done, Jason. Yeah. Um, Jamie Woods <laughs> Hi, Jamie. says, how on earth are we not in the bottom three? Because there's a lot of bad teams in the bottom half. I refer to my point from the previous bit of the pub. There's a sludge of teams down the bottom of the Premier League every single season now. And you look at the fact that we managed to break a record at the start of last season and uh, stay up. We managed to start a season with Ian Holloway, sign 14 players, most of whom were absolutely terrible, and stay up. We managed to go from November through to about April without winning a single game in the cup final season because we thought, no, chill out in the league. Cup's really cool. And still managed to stay up. It's actually not the most difficult thing in the world to stay in the Premier League until you don't. (laughs) Also, the the Pardew, that season, the Cafe Cup final season, I think we lost about eight games on the speed, or didn't win for eight games and stayed 14th. Mm. It took about eight games before we actually dropped down a place because we. And it's to say, even, even when we lost the first seven without scoring us, it was only about the fifth game that we ended up bottom. 
Hmm. So it's because yeah, West Ham were below us, aren't they? Yeah, there are Yeah, you 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 still think we should finish above Cardiff and Huddersfield. You you we should, and we probably will finish above Fulham and Southampton. But again, it comes back to. That shouldn't be the limit of our ambition, even at this stage. But the question then is, what is the limit of our ambition? Because I, I don't. I've, I was talking about this a couple of pods ago. All we can really ever ostensibly aim for is to be Everton, and that's yeah, probably yeah, not going to happen because well, Everton have loads of money. So then we kind of have to. And I know what you mean because oh, yeah, part yeah. of it is is uh, a well, sort of upsetting feature of what the modern Premier League is like. And what's the point? Well, yeah, quite. Yeah. yeah, well, until Leicester, you'd say, what is the point of being in a league that you can't win? And since Leicester, the other yeah. teams will have pulled their socks up. So we're, we're all in a league we can't win. It's worse now. But Leicester, what, yeah. what would be nice is, and, and it's something we said last week, you know, Brighton have shown a demonstrable improvement since last season. That's all you quite like. It's not, it, it's not the fact that we're not showing the demonstrable. We've shown the opposite. That's what's frustrating. It's not, uh, it, it's a very, I think it's a very reasonable question for Andy to ask. What is the limit of our ambition? And I'm not saying that to be facetious or difficult. No, no, but no, yeah, I think, no, I think you're absolutely right. What yeah, is the limit too. of our ambition? Is it, is it 10th, 8th, 6th, 14th or whatever? But at the moment, whatever the limit of our ambition is, we're not getting anywhere near it. We're not showing any improvement at all. That's the thing. The thing is that, yet again... For the sixth season running, we look like we've just been promoted, and we look like we'll be delighted to stay in this division, and we look like we'll get to it, we'll get to April and say, "Oh, that was close." Well, this let this be the season we establish that. That it, this will be six seasons in Premier League, and we still don't look like anywhere near an established Premier League. All you want is improvement year on year, yeah. whether it's two points improvement, two players improvement, whatever it is. And I will say, and we're not seeing that, and. and we're entitled to ask why we're not seeing that. We're entitled to ask why the squad is arguably as poor as it was two seasons ago. We're entitled to ask where the new players are. We're entitled to ask why our players keep getting injured. You know, we talked about Chicharito and Andy Carroll earlier, and people say we're unlucky with injuries. Even if we got our fit strikers back, Wickham and Benteke aren't Chicharito and Andy Carroll. That's the problem. You know, Benteke will come back and he'll, we'll say, yeah, he's good, glad he's back. We still don't score goals. Wickham's not the answer. Even a fully fit Connor Wickham's not the answer to the, who's going to score goals in the Premier League. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, Wickham. I think it's got the potential to score goals in the Premier League, but we haven't we haven't seen well, it consistently. But, but, we won't, but it'll be two years because he's had two years off, so it'll take two years before he gets yeah, back yeah. to that yeah, he, starting uh, point. Absolutely. So, that's, so that's gone. But take care, we well, we have seen goals from. Yeah, we have. Yeah, and so we know he's got the well, minimum, but obviously his recent yeah. record is very poor. I will say, going back to your point there about squads, I feel like this season is the first time that I think we've gone into a uh, into a campaign with a weaker squad than the previous season. I actually think every season we've come up, yeah. we've just about filled Improved in the blanks to, yeah. and made slight improvement. This is the one, losing Loftus-Cheek and Kabai, yeah. and replacing them with Kiyato, who's done okay, and Maya, who's a different kind of player. Yeah. Um, and having no striker, I think is the one where actually we are weaker than we were. This is the first time I feel like we're slightly on the curve. Well, and no, clearly it's been proven yeah. to be the case. And it's yeah. probably not been helped by the fact that the January window last January wasn't good. Yeah. You, know, you brought in Rackett, Serlo and that was yeah. it wasn't yak. It, I think. and yak. yak not probably three of Palace's best ever signings uh, if you want to <laughs> that's putting it mildly well, I, I like to go with my usual sort of casual subtlety it's, a, it's um, only one Serlo's the only one who's not a pointless answer isn't he <laughs> yeah, basically, just a pointless player. Even, even, and even Serlo. <laughs> That's be, such a good way. You'll get it down to two. They'll be really. They'll be in the final. They'll be really cross because they said Serlo, and he'll go uh, two. Yeah, because they've asked Rob Sutherland and <laughs> Jesse. 
<laughs> basically. But the other two, Jackie and Rat, were just pointless yeah. answers, basically. But I mean, frankly, yeah. when, when, you, when, you, when you had a summer coming up where there was, and I'm not saying this to criticise anyone in terms of the decision making, but just saying that as a matter of fact, if, if that window is then followed by a window in which half of your midfield leaves yeah. and you're having to bring in a player who wasn't starting at West Ham, and I like Kiyote, yeah. I think he's been very, very good, yeah. and a player who hadn't played regular football for a while because of his situation with Schalke. And uh, uh, I suppose in addition, a goalkeeper who we thought might start and for whatever reason and whatever the merits of that decision in Guaita hasn't replaced Hennessy, you kind of look at it and go, well, it's not really any surprise that the performance levels have dropped. And also, also to be... F- yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. To be, to, I never know when I'm going to get a chance. <laughs> to be fair, before the first game of the season, we weren't convinced that it would we were worse off because we, we didn't know about we thought Mayer was yeah. Kabai plus we thought Kiati was a, you know, certainly the Kiati first two seasons of West Ham we thought was, was a, a really good buy mm. I think he has been no he has been, yeah, yeah, been he but, be, but well, yeah. he t- he's not Loftus cheap replacement but no. we, we did AO we all thought that's, you know, that's a decent squad player so we did we were quite philosophical in the fact that we kept Wilf we were quite philosophical about the, the the transfer window at the start of the season. It's only experience has proven that. But yeah, yeah. The thing is as well. Are you look, um, may I look brilliant against Burnley? That's the frustrating thing. We talk about not improving yeah. and, and it, it being a slog. We had a really good performance, the Burnley performance, regardless of whether Burnley were poor or not. We still played really well. Should have scored, but, but we had that for two days before we got let down by the Brighton thing. That's that's the bit where you go, just let us enjoy it for a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it becomes a trudge. You don't even get, you know, you you see teams winning their foot. You know, I can't remember it was this weekend for the first time in eight years won three league games on the spin. It's like that'd be nice if we could do that. Wouldn't uh, it? Was that West Ham? Was it West Ham? Might have been. Well, they won three. That'd be nice. So. so can I ask a question you know, Cardiff, about Maya? Cardiff have now won five games at home. I was a bit upset earlier because... Uh, five games at home, Cardiff. No, they've only won four games this season, I think. Have they? Well, they've won the last three games at home then. They've won four, but they must all, they yeah, must so all be at home. Yeah, they've won the last yeah, three yeah. games at Which home. Which is more so. than us. Yeah. So. Um, can I ask a question, sorry, Andy, about, about Meyer actually, since okay. we're talking about him, from uh, Nobby Clark. Hi, Nobby. Hi, Nobby. He says, despite some fans' criticisms, I think... Mainly this guy. Um, I think Myra's... Points qu- at JD. Sorry, mm. I pointed at myself. I think Myra's quality in many ways a level above some teammates. What is the likelihood that Roy will change tactics to make the most of him and Wilf playing together rather than trying to fit mm. them into his preferred method? Good question. I think probably longer odds than the 6-1 to one that I quoted <laughs> yeah. at the start of the pod it's for Palace to be relegated. I think question. it is a fair question. I mean, even on Saturday, he had sort of glimpses of his quality and there were instances where he sort of break them between the lines. They're nice little bits and bobs. It's not quite happening for him at the moment with sort of the killer pass for uh, you know the goals and, and a finish for some sort of you know confidence boost mm. um, but there's no way that with what he's shown so far and it has been mixed and I think even his uh, strongest advocates would admit to the fact it's been mixed there's no way that Roy will fundamentally shift and alter the system <clears throat> to accommodate him and frankly Roy is a creature of habit and I just don't see it being the case that he's going to move fundamentally away from the type of system that we have. And even then, I, it's kind of like the uh, Brexit debate. People want to pretend that there's alternatives that have no compromise or and no downside whatsoever. There's this sort of, if it, there's this uh, unicorn formation which is going to have all the benefits of an attacking team mm. with all of the solidity of a defensive team. You kind of say, well, look, we could maybe go to playing three up top in the way that we did under Sam but that was a period in which we conceded four at home against Sunderland mm. 
you know, we could try and get uh, a midfield that isn't quite so rigid and doesn't tuck in quite so much, but it will mean that we're more exposed down the flanks and we've got two good fullbacks and we might be able to cope with that. Yeah. Fine, whatever. But there, there's, there, there's still downside risk in every type of formation that you try and shift to. And it would be nice to try something a bit different, wouldn't it? I mean, what part of the reason I think at the moment that as fans we look at it and say, is because we know how he's going to set us up every week, generally. We know that he's now sort of settled upon this Wolf and Andros thing up front. And well, not this Saturday. Oh, no. Which we'll come on to. Yeah. Well, no, three, quite. But, yeah. but, but generally, recent, in, in recent weeks, he's, he's always going to go with that. And that system seems to have been figured out by quite a lot of teams now. We're certainly not creating quite the extent of chances we were at the back end of last season or uh, in that November stretch under Roy last season. And I, uh, so I thought Mayer, I think it was the Watford game, he came on, but he played for yeah. half. Well, he, I thought... He looked good in that game. I thought he looked great. He looked like, as I say, he did look like a buyer plus. He was ferreting around. He was winning tackles. A bit of devilry about him, carrying the ball. But we haven't quite seen that since. Technically, yeah. I'd like to see him play further. Just clearly, he's probably technically our best player. In terms of his, he looks naturally two-footed. Mm-hmm. His control is really good. He wants the ball in all areas. I think Andy's right. He's been slightly unlucky in that some of his little passes, slide ball passes, haven't quite come off. He was unlucky against Burnley with a couple of the finishes that nearly, you know, a couple of heart yeah, saves came, saves, came yeah. from him. I think he's slightly lost in the position he's playing at the moment in the, in the four. And I think, for me, especially if, if PVA's not fit and Slot plays left back, for me, the logical thing to do would be to move him forward where Wilf is. Whether whether Roy does that or not, I don't. I've got a feeling he'll probably start with Sherlock where Wilf is and keep Mayer. Because as Andy says, he doesn't seem to like making changes. I think he'll just put in IE for Wilf next match. Yeah. Like he did at... Was it, oh, Home against Spurs, Home didn't he? Home against Spurs. That's right. Which worked out really well defensively when well, he stood watching the yeah. Tottenham centre-back. That was not a great moment. No. Um, we'll also say he played against... I mean, that was the lowest point of the season. I mean, Southampton, when Benteke and Ayew started up front. God, two yeah. up front, which was... Yeah, was that ben, it was Benteke, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, look, January... That was a good corner. question, though, from Nobby. It was a great question. January down the corner, and we had a few questions about that, and we are talking about options and lack of them. So can I fire two at you? One of them comes from Callum McAvoy. Hi, Hi Callum. Callum. He says, what are your thoughts on the potential return of Victor Moses, which was reported today in the press? Personally, he'd be great as we need a proper wide man, but priority should be a striker. Moses is... I mean, he's fairly flexible, really. He can play anywhere. We're going to get... I mean, from now till Christmas, we're till January, we're going to get this every day. That's why I've stopped going on the news now because it's just does your head. I mean, their their headlines are really clever because they lead you to believe that, and it turns out it's. An but opinion. you know this now, Kevin. I Come do on. know it now. I, it's got a name. It's clickbait. We're not baited you into the click. Not anymore. We're not. <laughs> we're not. I mean, the other Divock Origi is the other one that's been consistently linked with us. I'd be more excited about Origi than I would about Moses. But the thing is, we're not, sh- the, the, we're not short of wide options. That's the thing. Moses had a really, really good season. I, I mean, if, if Vic Moe was to come, I'd be really happy. Of course yeah. I would. But he had an outstanding season last year playing as a wing-back. Yeah. He's not going to do that for us. No. The, the, the two, full-back is arguably the two positions that are, are successful week in, week out. The two full-backs, you know, wan header against Brighton, admittedly were poor, but... Of course, they're going to make mistakes, but arguably, well, it's centre backs as well until the last two games. But the two yeah. full backs, that's a situation where we're, we're not short wide. 
we need some creativity in midfield. We need extra cover at centre back, and we need strikers. That's what we need. And, but you know, Vikman was to come great because he could play. He's a better. He's better than Schlupp, for example, and he's more. And he, he can he can play up front. He, he can he play up front for us. Yeah, yeah. But it's again, I imagine that would be on loan. And up. Yeah. So he wouldn't be able to play against. Oh no, because we were playing Chelsea before the transfer window opened. So could you see it happening this one? Do you think like likability on this one is is quite high? I, I know it's only a rumor, really, you should that sort of question you should have asked Roy on Saturday. He, he <laughs> yeah. might not have got the. He didn't love yet. that one. Even I, 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 yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I think the one we're all everyone's putting a lot of eggs in the Loftus sheep basket. That's not happening, and, and that's and this is not based on anything of anybody I've spoken to at the BBC Sky. This is not happening. So let's not let's let's not kid ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. worried. I, I don't think we. You alluded to it earlier. I don't think Roy's saying. Don't expect too much in the transfer window to put pressure on the chairman. I think he realises that not too much is happening in the transfer window. And again, the idea of a short-term loan coming in, good player or not, it's just like, come on, we're better than that, aren't we? Surely. Unless we, unless we do We need. haven't been in the past. I don't know why experience tells me that we, we are. We're we've had good loans. I mean, yeah, Saka was a yeah, loan yeah, and turned into a permanent. Was a, well, well, Zaha yeah. was a loan. Zaha, yeah, Zaha was a loan. Yeah. Punching was a loan. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Can I ask right. you a question, then, Andy? Then, of course, from, Be- from Bex. Oh, hi, Bex. Hey, hey, Bex. Hello. She, and, it, and it's about what Kevin was saying, leading on from that. She says, "Do you think that that Steve Parrish should just say F it and just spend during the transfer window and risk the fine?" Well, the FFP fine. I assume mm. so. Yeah. Um, I haven't still haven't got to the bottom of this. The bottom of what? <laughs> this potential. Why we're not spending money on players and what the fine is and why we seem to be the only club subject to it. It's related to wage spending, isn't it? Well, it's both, believe. But, but predominantly wage spending, yeah. And we have got a big wage bill. Yeah. Um, and there, there's there's a regulatory issue there, which I could bore you with to tears, and I'm not going to. But there's can, also can you, as I found out as an internet term, the currently explain it like I'm five. Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you not noticed? He's- Pretty much been doing that since <laughs> pod number one with you. Yeah, I've referred, I've referred you back to like pod one nine six where I explain this uh, to you like you're five. But can you do it again quickly? Uh, you can't increase your wage bill season on season by loads unless you're making loads of money from stuff that is non-player related. But this is what I don't understand. Why Fair enough, yeah. I, I don't understand why we our wage bill can't be that much higher than a lot of clubs in the Premier League. And I don't hear any other club chairman saying we can't bring players in because of... Well, but but if this is if, if this is what Andy's if the if it is the way he explains it, then it must be it must be yeah, it must be well, higher than we think. I well, I'm sure surprised. it is, but what, I'm, I, what I can't understand is well, if and again, I'm not numbers is not my thing, but Andy has explained this to me. If if that is the case, somebody's allowed that to happen. Uh, we've been we've been using this excuse for three or four seasons now, and it does seem that we're the only club subject to this strange rule and regulation because which I don't understand why that's I don't see anybody else not bringing players in there aren't many clubs with our type of stadium and our size of club with our type of playing staff and our scale of wage bill and I think if you were to look at Watford and Bournemouth who are probably our nearest comparators if we're honest about this in terms of Size of club, size of stadium, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. There's not really almost half the size of our club. They've got a multi-millionaire owner. I mean, they've got a twelve thousand well, pound. Twelve thousand pound. They've got a twelve thousand capacity. They can't be selling more shirts than we are. Even, well, what I'm saying here is an established Premier League club that isn't one of the huge boys. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you look at the type of player that they have and where they bought them from. 
we're one of the few, I would say, medium-sized clubs who have focused our transfer activity predominantly on established Premier League players. And established Premier League players already earn a fortune. If you buy from the Championship, they're probably going to be happy with 30 grand a week. If you buy from other clubs, uh, other leagues in Europe where they're not at one of the huge super clubs, they're probably going to be happy with a, 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 a sum below the average Premier League wage. If you bring in players from your nearest competitors, whether it be, you know, Leicester at the time, Sunderland when we brought in Patrick Van Arnholm. And I'm not saying, uh, I, I don't know what these players earn and yeah, I'm not yeah. making a comment as to it, but if you look at the, the makeup of clubs that we have signed from, it's materially different from other clubs. Watford have typically signed from within their network who themselves have signed from South America or other parts of Europe. Watford haven't gone out to a Leicester, for example, generally and gone, we'll give you 50 million quid for one of your players. They brought in uh, Gray and that was one of the few that they've actually brought in from another Premier League club. They tend not to do it like that. And if you do it like that, you will end up, I'm afraid, with a slightly bloated wage bill. And that then makes things more difficult because the regulations operate in two ways. One in terms of your overall headroom, so you've got like a maximum figure that you can get go above in the three-year period that is assessed against, and also the year-on-year increase. So year-on-year, you might be able to add someone to the wage bill, but you can't go over the threshold overall during that three-year period. And it then means that if you end up with existing Premier League players who you don't get rid of as well, you end up with like this sort of blob of players who you're not using, who are on lots of money. And again, you look at it, we're one of the few clubs who doesn't sell anyone. Since we've come up, we've sold three players that I can think of. Yeah, okay. Gale, Murray, Balassi. Yeah. yeah. And every other time, and we've and Palace fans have to admit to this as well, we've all applauded the fact that we've not taken offers for other of our players. Yeah, yeah. And we're probably quite happy that we've retained them. But the, the sort of downside to that is that you end up never being able to hive any of those wages off. Yeah. So and what's, what's the wage bill a proportion, a proportion of then? Which, sorry. Paul. Well, because obviously it's it's you know Man City's wage bill is fifty times higher than us. Yes. So, but they're obviously working within different parameters. So, what are the parameters? So, what does your wage bill? Does it have to be seventy percent of income? Well, the basic amount. Yeah, the, the basic amount you're allowed to increase it year on year. Last time I looked, I've not looked at this for a little while. Uh, but it was seven million pounds a year. That oh, you right. Can so it's only it to do with the actual increase figure. It's not a percentage of your no, but annual you, you, income but or you, your annual You can increase it either seven million year on year. Or you can increase it seven million plus an amount that you've brought in by extra sponsorships and all that sort of stuff, and that's why right. you've seen, for example, Manchester United with a an official tractor brand and stuff right. like that. Well, and shirt sleeves, shirt sleeves sponsors, yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I'm still not going to. You can also Rwanda. take into account. Yeah. I'm still not, uh, Arsenal's is not working because I've got no intention of visiting Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> but you can well, also apparently, t- apparently it's the safest country in Africa. I'm, I'm sure it is. I've still friends of friends of ours have just moved there. Yeah, it's lovely. I'm sure oh, yeah, it is. And they love it. Very green. Apparently, I'm a big fan of gorillas. I'd love to go to. Yeah. it's a beautiful it's very country. Apparently, to go to the grills, it's, it's, I'm not going because it's because they sponsor Arsenal. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, yeah. but you can also take into account profit on player trading right. for that calculation. But if you don't ever sell your players and certainly don't do so a profit because you like to hold on to them, which is fine, that's a strategy choice mm. that clubs can or can, can decide not to make. Then it becomes a lot more difficult to do creative things with the wage bill, and it becomes even more difficult to do those creative things with the wage bill if you're allied to the idea of signing established Premier League players. And even in the summer, mm, the, the player who broke in quickest was Czech Chiato. Yeah, exactly. Gaeta hasn't broken in for whatever reason yeah. so far. Yeah, uh, Maya's been used the last few matches, but before that, sparingly. Yeah. So you can kind of see why a club would focus its, its efforts upon, yeah. upon that sort of thing. But then you have to compromise. But then you have to compromise. So, so, so that so that means. 
you need to do what Watford and Brighton and have a network all around the world or a better scouting thing. Or... Even then, this comes back to my sort of perfect club fallacy yeah. analogy yeah. earlier in the thing. You, Brighton are playing with the same squad, the same starting eleven, more or less, that got them up. Yeah, a lot of their signings are not. I, I know one of them managed to bloody score against <laughs> us, yeah, yeah. but gen- generally, the, you know, they they were all trumpeting the fact they brought in Lacardia for a big, big fee by their their standards in January and that he was going to be the next big thing. He's not really done it so far. They brought in uh, the Iranian chap whose name completely escapes me, mm. who's who's not really made the waves. And Chris Hewton even said in the press, literally two weeks ago, the new guys haven't got up to the levels of the old guys. Mm. So we, we kind of have this thing where we consume Crystal Palace 24-7 and form really detailed views in relation to it. We make all these assumptions about other clubs just because we don't have the same sort of near perfect or close to perfect or uh, more informed level of information about them when in fact they're making all the same mistakes as well it's, just, it's incredibly difficult to do business in the Premier League now okay, on, on that then Kevin can I pose you a question because basically mm. what I got from Andy saying there was if we are to make any big signings in January we probably have to sell one or two players that are on particularly high wages to me those names that spring to mind are Mamadou Sacco and, and Christian Benteke would you do that? <clears throat> I wouldn't expect the club to be selling big players in January no and I think in an ideal world clubs wouldn't want to do transfer business in January full stop you, mm-hmm. you plug some gaps and you maybe you bring in squad players and it's it, it's it's the worst time to bring players in because yeah. every other club knows that you're desperate for the players especially when it comes to strikers it's also a difficult time if you're taking a risk on a, a league one striker for example or a, a, an Italian yeah. striker you you can't throw them in in the middle of the season and expect them to start scoring the goals that you need. So it comes back to Andy's point about I I don't think well a who's going to buy Benteke for start off. Sacco's not sellable at the moment because we need you know, I've, you know, unless we bring in another centre back in. There's no logic to that. So he's not well, going to sell Sacco. Yeah, but these are players that are long. These are long term injuries. You can't expect Wickham Scott Dan to come back in and within a week be playing at the level they were playing at before and yeah. so it's I mean we've we've known I mean I, I didn't realise the financial thing was that serious I thought it was a rule that Steve Parrish was taking more serious than anybody else I think I'd, just, I'd be amazed given that the extent to which all the Premier League clubs now have in-house lawyers they all take cool. advice on this sort of stuff and they're, they're all, they, they might take a bullish view of these regulations and how they comply with them in certain instances, but they will take them seriously. But there are two, there are two well, to sort of come on to the second point, one, one of the aspects in terms of being curtailed and doing business will be the regulations and the fact that you've got to comply with certain rules. The other issue is just pure cash demands. I mean, Premier League footballers now yeah. are so expensive in, in terms yeah, of cash. Yeah, yeah. You know, an average Premier League player will go for £25 million. Players who have absolutely yeah. no record in the Premier League but have played well at Championship level. Madison, has, and he's been proven to be a very good Premier League player, but they were having to commit a certain risk, really, to invest in, what, 25 to 28 yeah. in James Madison yeah, yeah. before he'd even come up? And that's for a Championship player now. There's such a big cash demand that if you want to bring in three, four, five players, you're probably talking above £100 million now, yeah. which is just very difficult for average size clubs to do and there's certain things you can do to bring those players through from your own academies to uh, hopefully spot them at an early stage to do things like Watford have done even to do things like Bournemouth have done where they've picked up the best of the championship before they've 
become yeah. really good, like Brooks. Lewis Cook, Brooks, yeah. Yeah. all that sort of thing. But even then, that takes being really switched on, being prepared to take the risk at that level. And Palace so far, my personal view is I would love Palace to sign more championship players. There is talent at that level. Yeah, yeah. But it does still require a, a fairly big cash outlay and it is, it is still fraught with some risk. Not Especially all players stri- are going mean, to make it. A, yeah. a, in terms of strike, I mean, not Jordan Much is not a good example, but there are strikers out there. It's not that big a step from a top six championship team scoring goals there to you know, a bottom six Premier League team. You, you, there, are good, there are good quality strikers in the championship who would probably come in and score eight goals for Palace season but whatever whatever the situation where we're, we're buying players loaning them selling them whatever you'd like to think that, that it's already in hand and experience would indicate and Roy Hodgson's words would indicate that we we're, we've not even started doing our transfer business yet and that's that's the worry yeah and we will yeah. find out in a few weeks we, well, we'll, we'll find out that's the other thing as well because I, I guess like most seasons we'll find out on January the 30th Probably so he's yeah. not going to find out on January the first or January the second because for some reason it's impossible for us to get players in. We may be we may you be know. pleasantly surprised. We may not. We may not. I, I suspect we're looking at loan players. I don't think we're going to be splashing out a lot of money on on anyone. No. But we'll, we, we'll, we'll see, lads. Can I end part two then? The other person we could sell is Gato, of course. Oh well, yeah. Well, yeah. will he end up being Mandanda part two? Well, Mandanda actually got on the pitch in the league game. So. True. I think he'd gone by this point, hasn't he? Or maybe not. Anyway, um, the final question for this pod this week is from John Merriweather. Hi, Hi John. John. What a great name. Great name. And he says, sounds quite like simply... Sounds like a hobbit's name, doesn't it? It's a great name. <laughs> he quite simply harsh. says... No, no, it's a great name. I mean, it's great. I'd love to be um, What are the positives? If we're in, trying to make in, it a positive pod. In world, in Brexit. In, well, we're not, <laughs> we're not. The positives are that we have got a decent first team. We have got outside the top four. We've arguably got the best player in the in the Premier League, and we're not we're not in the bottom three, mm-hmm. and we're a point ahead of where we were this time last season. Despite that, so using style. using Andy Street's logic, then it, we will inevitably. Oh no, we can't use certainly, but we will almost certainly stay out because we're a point ahead of this time last season. Well, and we also, last season, also so. there are four or five teams down there who are worse than us. Um, don't mind the new kit that's a positive the new kit's nice yeah, that's yeah. Right. got Grimsby in the FA Cup so got to stop playing in the yellow we keep losing oh, the, the yellow. yellow we've got a classic we sash we won in the yellow the, the I don't care yeah, the yellow's got to go it's a horrible kit I quite like it no, we've even worn the sash so far the white, yeah, yeah we saw the white Wait, numerous times when what for the work oh, no, Fulham oh no Fulham we didn't we, no, no, what for the way? way what for the way? way. Yeah, we did. Well, I remember something happened at half time, remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which we can't mention on the pod. No. So, yeah. um, oh, we've worn it once. Yeah. Brighton, no, lost. that was yellow. Nope. Uh, Chelsea? I would yes, like the, we wore it at Chelsea. Everton? Yeah. No, we wore yellow at Everton, I think. Yeah. Anyway. I wouldn't mind. I quite like the, the if it was white without the, I like the little bars. Yeah, that the yellow kit have. I'd like the white kit with a little red and blue bars. Or well, that was sash. that's similar to the one we had. Never liked the sash in the Kabai season. I think that yeah. was similar to that. You've never liked the sash. Not as big a fan of the sash as a lot of people are. I don't mind the the, the original. I've... Do you prefer the old sort of Don Rogers? Yep. Um, cigarette packet. Yeah, yeah. I prefer a claret and blue stripes. When it was yeah. when it was claret and blue. No, no, it was white. That was a white kit essentially with a claret. And blue oh, you prefer the, the Steve Kember claret and blue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, pinstripes. Yeah, with the yellow collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the other, the other thing, Andy, is you know history suggests over the last six years we will recover and stay up. So that's surely the biggest positive. That if we're going by stats, as you do, I know you like them. We we do tend to turn it around. I also think that we we have enough quality in that first team that if we were to string two or three 
wins together at some point this season, you wouldn't be massively surprised. Whereas there, there are some teams towards the bottom who yeah. have managed to get some results so far. But you kind of look at them and say they are the sort of teams who with the run of difficult festive games, just in terms of physical demands, and with the sort of onset of that really difficult January through to February period, there's, there's quite a few teams who I could see going without much in the way of points for sort of 10 games and then all of a sudden look at it and go, yeah. oh dear, yeah, there's yeah. a problem here. I, I, we've had that run. I'm not saying it necessarily follows as a matter of logic that we're going to get off that run, particularly not when we've got Manchester City away coming up, which is about as close to a home bank as you'll ever get. But ultimately, you kind of look at it and say there's, there's still sufficient quality in that Palace squad to be able to, to do something. Strange man, Andy Street, and he's cynical, bitter, and yet full of optimism. He's a conundrum. He is a conundrum, yeah. isn't he? Thank mm. you. Yeah. But what's not a conundrum <laughs> is this in a contradiction. Because we go from part two to part three, yeah. where we'll be yeah. previewing the game with Leicester in a bit. Back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey! hey. Pod 274, sponsored by Vector Printing. For your printing embroidery needs, go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with it. Okay. And JCIS, a global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Nicely done. Um, so, it, Palace. The street have, is worn out, as you can tell by this little burst of optimism. It's taken all the. It's taken its toll. It's taken its, it's toll. It's got to recover. No, 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 excuse me. <laughs> it's like post match. No, I, I get annoyed when people say optimism. I'm, not, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I'm trying to be objective. What, Your Honour? Depending on the circumstances, I remember like we did the pod, the pod extra after the Brighton game last season and uh, free the pod and Selzy uh, and I did that and, and we were told we weren't being quite effusive enough about the fact Palace had beaten Brighton because uh, I felt that we'd been particularly poor in the second half that yeah, day. We had. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was hammered that point for being too pessimistic, yeah. and then it got to so sorry back in November of last year though when we started playing a lot better and thought the performances weren't being matched by the results. So I was told that I'm a sycophant and uh, <laughs> completely supplicant to the club on everything, so I can't win. You can't win. No, no. none of us can Have win. You just worked that out. No, yeah. well, no, I'm fully aware of this. Um, well, hopefully Palace can win on Saturday, and but no, they will be without, without yeah. Wilf and Tomkins, who we obviously. Uh, said earlier, both suspended. Um, we've had a lot of questions about it. The question I'm going to ask you is from Achini. Hi, Achini. Who says, uh, without those two players, certainly without Wilf, will Roy be forced into playing an actual number nine this weekend? And if so, who will play? Well, we haven't well, got we, one. We've only got one. We have got one. He'll play. I, I mean, Kelly. Kelly's... I'm not worried about Kelly coming in at all. Kelly's... Uh, also, it might be in the space for Reedabard on the bench if Kelly starts, mm-hmm. which yeah. he obviously will do. That's the option, you imagine. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think he'll, despite the fact that he seems to have fallen out of love of Ayer a little bit since the Tottenham game, I think I, I can't see Roy doing anything as drastic as starting with Serlot, to be perfectly honest. I think he's more likely to go for the experienced option, which is Ayer and Townsend. Yeah. Uh, and despite the fact that Ayu is a completely different sort of player to Wilf and hasn't got his pace or his skill or his strength, he will play him in the same position as Wilf and expect him to do the same things rather than... I think we will see Serlot probably, but probably last 20 minutes, something so like that. So I don't think... I think Serlot's... Of course he's getting stick. I don't think Serlot is as disastrous a signing as Rakipit. Yeah, it... it well, that's if, damning the fame price. Well, no, it is. But I mean, in an, this again, this is why you get frustrated with Palace because in an ideal world, 
our squad will be strong enough that you would occasionally see Sherlock come on this season when we we're already 3 0 up. Mm. You'd see him get a run around in FA Cup games or League Cup games, and then the season after next, he will have developed into a, into a player. But he's, through circumstances, he's been thrown into games, and it's not his fault that he's not ready for the championship. He looks, and I, I, I don't think his touch is that bad. And I think we came on against Arsenal, he looked. He, he's, he's got the, the makings of a decent player, I think, but it's just that he's been thrown in and he's not ready. So I, I generally don't think he should get the stick he deserves. And if it, it, it's not his fault, but I don't think Sherlock will, I don't think for a minute Sherlock will start the game. I don't think Roy will start anything. He's not going to start getting tricky now, is he? Can I, Andy, I've got two more questions actually to pose to you in this section. Uh, Matt Buckland Hi, Matt. Matt. has asked us with our next three games being Leicester at home, City away, and Cardiff at home. Does anything less than three points from these cost Roy his job? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't... Oh, <laughs> City, You can't judge on the City game. No. So it's basically three, it's three from two. I think if we don't... I think, we'll I think if we lose to Cardiff... Uh, regardless of what happened against Leicester. I, Leicester's a strange one. I mean, we, they're a beatable side. I mean, you, oddly, I mean, they're a long way from the being champions but you still look at their squad their starting 11 you think we'd have most of them in our team I'd have There's, Vardy I'd have Vardy's Gray. not been starting the last couple of games I, has he? Like, but, I think Vardy's really but, I mean, underrated Leicester are a decent side but we know that they're not they don't travel well away from home losing Zaha is a big blow but yeah. I I think he's he's got to get out card on Saturday because we don't win without yeah. Wilf so in a way Hodgson might not get the blame for that. And he's got another get-out card. He's got another get-out card. He's got a free hit against City, as yeah. they say. Anything less than three points at home to Cardiff. Bearing yeah. in mind that Cardiff could be six points ahead of us by then. But it's pretty, it's pretty sad that it's coming down to anything. We have to beat Cardiff on Boxing Day, halfway well, through the season. Yeah. For Roy to keep his job. I mean, that's, well, that's pretty well, poor. I, even the most ardent Roy fan, I don't want anybody to lose their job, but I like Roy. And he's of course he's a good manager, but... What there comes a stage when you, the league table stops lying. I mean, it's like I mean, in the old days they, didn't, they wouldn't show the league table till ten games. Yeah, we're, we're past but there comes that. a point where we're we're past that. And yeah. if we find ourselves, it's like Street said, this is a, this time last year we were beating Leicester away, funny enough, and starting to look like a competent side. That needs to start happening really soon. And if it, I don't even think it's the manner of the defeats anymore. It's just. That that league table of seven, we're in. That could be a league table of four or five in three weeks' time. And in the end, yeah. in the end, it just comes to a stage where you say, or the, or maybe you go, well, let, you let him have the transfer window. But it comes a stage when logic says this man can't win any football games with this with this team. And then, the season ticks away, doesn't and it? Then the, yeah, and then you can start the blame game afterwards about you know because the blame goes back to the end of last season. It goes back to May last season. So. Well, the blame game no. also might take in our director of football and the recruitment, which is well, it, something, it, well, for, it's, another it, it, it's something for another pod. And it'll be a long pod as well. And, <laughs> yeah. and Andy will spend a lot of time saying you legally can't say that. But then you say who comes in. I mean, it's interesting that yeah. you, you know, the press made a big fuss about the fact that Jukanovic liked a tweet that says, why isn't Steve Parrish talking to him? Really? Yeah. I miss that. But I mean, was it actually Yukanovic though? Was it a 15 year old from Putney who's yeah. set up a Yukanovic <laughs> yeah. account? Yeah. Well, I, He's, I think he would probably be if Roy Hogg goes. He's he's the logical. He's the one who will come in for me. Or, or will it be Dougie short term? I, I frankly, it's really if, hard if, to rip up those season tickets because they're made of plastic. But, 
And I was saving, I'm saving, I was saving my ripping season you to till, till, till VAR comes. Yeah, like we did doing Alan Smith. Alan got Smith. Us in the yeah, last time of the season. I got hit by most of them. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts then on that question about the, the three well, points? I, th- I think, frankly, what about three points? I, well, coming back very briefly to that previous uh, little excerpt. I mean, if you're talking about the alternatives being a guy who's not managed any football club for what three seasons now Dougie I can't yeah. remember when he ended up coming out from Forest and, yeah. and not quite, quite some time ago and not brilliantly and, yeah, and, and, not brilliantly, yeah. and a guy who was sacked from Fulham because it became known as Jukanovic bingo that, <laughs> yeah. we've, that they went to the opposite polar extreme of changing absolutely everything all, all the time having played three keepers by October <laughs> yeah you know, if if those are the two alternatives, then it probably, in, in my view, gravitates towards saying, "Well, it's a silly idea to sack him." Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm completely agnostic on on the the sacking or backing of any manager on a sort of abstract basis. I don't think that I, I don't like the idea of kind of going, "Well, you get this bump and all the usual sorts of cliches." Ultimately, no manager though can expect his bosses to have endless patience. And if you're looking at it as a board of a Premier League club where there's the severe financial risk of being relegated, then you have to know that if you're still performing in that manner into the new year, you're at risk, at severe risk, rightly or wrongly sometimes, because sometimes managers can be sacked when they don't actually deserve to be sacked. Mm-hmm. But that, that's that's kind of what, what comes with it, I'm afraid. And certainly if you... We came out of the, the back of the, the Manchester United match and said... We've got a run of games coming up where we're playing Brighton away, West Ham away, Burnley at home, uh, Leicester at home, Cardiff, Cardiff at home. There's a lot of points on offer there that we should really be competing for and winning. And if you come out of the back of those results saying, well, we've not got what we deserved, but you come out of the back of the, the games against the bigger teams saying, well, we got what we deserve because they're better than us. Eventually that pressure tells, yeah. you know, and it tells partially because the weight of public expectation and opinion turns against you. And even if you're doing objectively a good job on the training ground, the players haven't turned against you and the performances are half decent, you're creating chances. If you don't get results, eventually the atmosphere turns toxic. Yeah. Rightly which, or wrongly. Which we've seen before. Rightly or yeah. wrongly. We've seen it before and sometimes undeservedly oh, yeah. so. But if, if it ends up being loss after loss after loss, particularly at home, then the patience wears thin for a lot of people. Not everyone's going to be yeah. quite as phlegmatic as me. And rightly so. You know, yeah. it's, it's an emotional game and ultimately fans are not going to want to see the results being bad week after week after week, even if the performances are okay. A mate of mine is a Fulham fan who actually likes Jukanovic. He answered that Jukanovic bingo question because he said, well, you've only got 12 good players. So we can't mix and match those talk. He would have no choice. And like it, there, there at least there's a plan with Jukanovic. There is... There is a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, and there was some very attractive football. Do you know? Only in the championship. Though. I mean, no, this, no, this season, no, that's a, that's this season they were set up so naively under him, and we're that's conceding goal after goal. Yeah. They, they, their goal, their game that they played up at the John Smith Stadium yeah. against Huddersfield, they shocking. were beyond the abject, the absolutely night. appalling. Yeah. Yeah. You know who's conspicuous by their absence and all this is the Americans. James Endicott. <laughs> yeah, well, he's yeah. but the American normally this time last year. Everyone, you know, we knew publicly that the Americans were asking questions of Steve Parrish because they were saying that and Steve Parrish was saying that. And now either whatever business is happening between them is being kept very quiet or they've stopped caring or they're about to stop. But it, I mean, it's really interesting that we've heard. Hmm. We, I don't think, have they been at games? They've not been very visible. Certainly not. I mean, they don't, they're not high profile people. Yeah. But 
you, you, they've got a lot of money invested in the club, and you know, um, they're not going to be happy with the way their money's going at the moment. It'll be interesting to see whether they do become visible at games. You know, well, you would, you would months, imagine. They I, I, we don't know where the balance of power lies. You imagine if the Americans say we want a new manager, then they're going to get a new manager. Simple as that. I do think a lot of it. I, I do think if we hadn't got rid of De Boer after four games, Hodgson would already have gone. Is my is my view? Because I think there aren't many managers, aren't many who would have survived the Brighton debacle. To be perfectly honest, the manager. You know, if if we if we hadn't beaten Burnley and lost to Brighton that way, a lot of clubs would. You wouldn't be at all surprised if the manager went. Well, and this brings us back know. to the point as well. If we don't beat Leicester and if we don't beat Cardiff. I think we may possibly be a, a breaking point. I think the Cardiff one is is crucial, but even then, you know, we get three points against Cardiff and play well. And everyone goes, "Oh, well, we've turned it." I don't imagine. The, the I don't imagine the, there will be a lot of appetite amongst the Crystal Palace owners to sack Roy Hodgson. So oh, I think well, it will only be if so much pressure is brought to bear by the crowd turning incredibly toxic. Yeah, I don't and to be fair, I don't, I, th- that's not happened a huge amount recently at Palace. I don't the, think... Warn- the Warnock-Southampton game is the only time I can really remember. And even then, even then it wasn't, it wasn't was at the level day, of... Boxing day, yeah. Hol- yeah. Holloway is against Fulham is the last time I can remember it being genuinely nasty. And... I suspect I actually oh, when we were one nil up and then I suspect that the scenario won't be that I suspect Roy there'll be as they used to in the days of the Empire that Roy will be offered the, the bottle of whiskey and the note paper to sign at the bottom and be allowed to say that he's decided to step I I think that, I don't think there I is think an appetite. might see through that if it's in. I, no, I don't know. December I don't think. I don't, well, no, but I don't think there is an appetite to say. I don't think Steve Parrish wants to be the man who ends Roy Hodgson's last job. Yeah, as simple as that. Especially as he's just become got the um, freedom yeah. of Croydon as well. So yeah, which is thing go where he wants, I guess. And that squad yeah. did have to dig in at times last season and put yeah. in the hard work to come out of a pretty but, difficult it, it, situation. So, if I'm if I'm in charge of the club, I probably look at it and go, well, you know, he did turn it around last yeah, season, albeit with a better squad. Well, it might be that we do yeah. bring two or three players in, and, but I, you know, it's and the fundamental question remains: who who are you replacing him with? And I've, yeah. uh, it, it's not as if when some people say Sam Allardyce, I say, well, that's fine. I didn't dislike Sam to the extent that some did while he was here. I don't mind Sam Allardyce in the slightest. But frankly, there were enough who were getting on Sam Allardyce's back when we lost four 0 against Sunderland, yeah, when yeah, we yeah. played a three at the back against Manchester City away, where we had Schlupp, Kelly, and Ward as the back three. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, he wasn't tactically flawless. Yeah. Sam so let's not try and pretend that he was and he also had some good players to work with and was vehemently backed in the January transfer yeah, window our last decent window really. so again it's kind of like perfect manager syndrome Sam's not here anymore so some fans are talking as if he is the firefighter to bring in forgetting that a lot of them lambasted him for the first month but you yeah. say perfect window but it sounds like from what Street he's saying that the wage bill generated by that perfect window is now having an impact on us now. I'm not making any comments. No, 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 no. Saying, but it sounds like you, you taught, I mean, you said, because we bought, of the four players, three of them were established Premier League players, so you assume that the wages are fairly high, so by your logic, they, that's probably the knock-on effect, plus Penteke's wages, plus Sahar's wages. We all, there's no point denying that they're, they're, they're on good money. There's no point denying we've got a big yeah. wage bill, no? Yeah, yeah. so... Um, well, there's no point denying that the pod's come to the end. Nice. Boys, this is the nice. end of part three. Um, thank you very much for <laughs> being here. 
No, it's a pleasure. You're I'm, welcome. Again, I can't stress enough that I live here. So <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, thank you very much for listening. The Extra Pod will be with you after that game against Leicester. Uh, so look out for that. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.